It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks so much for tuning in. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. 201-939-4513. You could also use hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter. A reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app. Podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. So the Giants unfortunately suffered another heartbreaking loss to the Atlanta Falcons at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, 17-14. to We'll break all of that down. Second straight game in which they were defeated on a last-second field goal. Dustin Hopkins hit the 43-yard field goal for Washington on Thursday night football. And then it was Youngway Koo from 40 yards out to lift the Falcons over the Giants by three. We'll get to your phone calls. We'll get to your tweets as we move along here. Paul, a lot to unravel. And I think probably the best way to start, and we certainly talked about this on the Giants Radio Network postgame show yesterday, is you see a lot of reoccurring issues. And the two things that come to note for me is red zone inefficiency. The Giants were one for three. They had two other opportunities to put touchdowns on the board. They settled for field goals. That was also a problem in the first two games of the season. And the penalties, 81 penalties in total last season, tied for the fifth fewest in the NFL. They're right now at 23. I looked it up. They are tied for the third most in the NFL through three weeks. And and nearly 20, 19 have come in the last two games. And it's the timing. They're either allowing the opposition to extend drives or they're hurting themselves and they're negating maybe a 15 to 20-yard gain. Instead, they're going back 5 to 10 yards. And this team, unfortunately, right now is just not good enough to overcome those issues. Well, Lance, I think to take it even further, it's not just the penalties. It's the failure to make the routine plays. I mean, you know, we sat there in the stadium after the game was over doing the postgame show. And for the second week in a row... We're talking about not just penalties, but simple catches, either on the offensive or defensive side of the ball, where there have been interceptions to be had in both of the Washington and and uh, Atlanta games that would have comfortably put the Giants in position to win without coming down to a last-second field goal. And at the, by the same token... There were also offensive plays, whether they be drop passes or fumbles that were just uncalled for. These are routine plays. And I, I said it during the postgame. If you folks did not listen to it, I'm going to repeat it again. And it's worth repeating. Often we talk about playing above the X's and the O's. Dan Reeves taught me that way back when in the 90s. You've got to play above the X's and the O's. That'll be the difference between raising your level of play to another standard. Well, the, it's not the X's and the O's here. It's not above the X's and the O's for the Giants. They're missing out on the routine plays. When you drop interceptions that are coming right at you and right in your hands and there's no defender within 10 yards of you, or offender, should I say, I mean, that's routine. When you drop a touchdown pass in Washington, that's put right into your, your fingertips, two knuckles into your fingers. Maybe not in the palm of your hand, but the ball is two knuckles in, and you drop it. That's routine. 
We're not asking the Giants to make spectacular plays to win these games. It's the routine plays that have betrayed them. And that's what makes this, to me, the most puzzling, most frustrating 0-3 start of any one of the poor starts they've had in recent memory. Not to mention the seventh time now in 67 games that they have lost on a field goal within the last 22 seconds. Five of them have come on the final play of the ball game. This is just absolutely the worst run of black cat luck that I have ever seen. Well, and that's also because of the fact that the defense just has not been able to get off the field and make the necessary stops. I mean, that to me is another thing that we've seen against Washington and Atlanta. You had Washington went 11 plays, 50 yards to get Hopkins in position for the 43-yard field goal. That took just two minutes. And then the Falcons went seven plays for 58 yards in a buck 50 even less than Washington. And what's crazy about the Falcon situation is the Giants, for the most part, limited Atlanta's explosive plays. Atlanta was pretty much putting things together in piecemeal, and their lone touchdown before they scored the game-tying touchdown to tie the game at 14 was a result of great field position because the Giants didn't do anything on offense, and then all of a sudden, you know, Atlanta capitalizes because special teams didn't bail out the offense, and you have the Falcons starting on the Giants' 44-yard line, and they took advantage. But on the final drive, you have Atlanta connecting with Cordero Patterson for 28 yards on the very first possession, and then after Davis ran for two, he hits Kyle Pitts, who had a relatively quiet game, for 25. Those were two of the three longest plays from scrimmage for the Falcons that occurred in the final a minute 50 of this game. So this is an example of game on the line. All you need to do is continue what you were doing for the majority of the game and the inability to do that. And that's a big reason. Putting aside the plays they could have made earlier in the game, Paul, putting aside the penalties, Atlanta's starting on the 20. The mission is clear. Play for overtime. Keep them out of field goal range. And now, two straight weeks, they failed to do that. And this is becoming another reoccurring issue. It's the two basic common plays that they did not make that put them in that spot in the first place because with only about five and a half minutes left Jackson drops the interception all alone in the end zone he makes that pick the Falcons don't tie the game at 14-14 so the drive you're talking about never has a chance to happen so you have to rewind a little further than even you did well and sure but on top of that they combined to create another, another ridiculous situation where on a fourth down at the 50, after, by the way, they get another drop pass on this drive when they're at midfield, okay, pass over the middle, dropped on first down. I don't understand how that happens, but it's dropped. And then on fourth down, the punter, who was actually good, Okay, I think we all believe that that Riley Dixon's a good, solid NFL punter and has usually done a good job with his directional kicks. He winds up putting the punt into the end zone for a touchback, giving the Falcons the free 20 yards to operate, and then they go on that drive. Look, Joe Judge mentioned it too after the game. That touchback was not supposed to be. You know, you've got to rely on your professional punter to do what he needs to do 
to either get that ball out of bounds inside the 20, maybe, maybe the 15, maybe the 10, maybe the 5, or pooch punting. And how many times have we seen him down a ball deep in somebody's territory? Hell, he did it earlier in the game. Sure. It's not too much to ask him to do that there. But he puts it into the end zone for a touchback. Another very routine play that the Giants did not execute, which helped set them up for a situation where the Falcons could take advantage and turn the game. That's what I'm talking about, man. Routine plays that are not happening. And it's it's got me totally flummoxed because you're not asking your guy, you're not asking Riley Dixon, I need you to punt the ball 99 yards. Or I need you to put the ball out at the one-inch line. No, that's not what you're asking him to do. You're saying, could you please put it inside the 20 and not have a touchback? He's an NFL kicker, Lance. That's not no, a I lot get to that, ask. Paul. But what, I'm still standing by the fact that even with them starting at the 20-yard line, you're expecting your defense to be able to prevent well, sure two plays in the span of a blink of an eye that went for 28 and I 25 don't disagree. yards respectively. No, no. I don't disagree with the complaint about the two big plays on the drive. But what I'm saying is you've got to peel back the onion even more. Go two or three more slices in and realize that you never had to be in that situation in the first place. If Matt Ryan is starting that drive at his own five-yard line, I don't think that 28-yard first down pass to Patterson is the play he's calling. He's probably calling for a run. Well, they had three timeouts still, so they had some flexibility. Right. I mean, we could sit so here and play. probably calling for a run on first well, down. Well, I mean, we could play the hypothetical game. Who knows what they would be calling, but here's the thing. Even if you start at the five-yard line, and let's say they ran the same exact play, Paul, you're still giving up 28 and 25 yards on those two big plays, and they're still going to be knocking on the door within you field goal range You and I both that know point. that the playbook changes depending upon the positioning that you are on on the field. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to accept that excuse. Well, but it's I'm also not going to accept. Wait a minute, I'm also not going to accept the fact that they're going to be conservative and they're not going to be trying to look to gain yardage in big chunk plays like that, so they get in field goal range. Most coaches are going to try to run a first down running play in that spot if they're back under the shadow of their own goalpost. But being out at the 20-yard line, they'll feel much more bolden, and they will have a couple of pass plays and a couple of chapters that will be more wide open in their playbook that they won't be afraid to go to. Hey guys, because they're on the that. 20 instead of the 5. Paul, remember, just that, that pass play to Patterson wasn't a, it was a flat an pass. aggressive. It, was it, flat. Short it, it wasn't an aggressive yeah. downfield pass. It was basically no, like a wide I totally understand screen that. thing. Yeah. He's not yeah. trying out of his own 5-yard yeah. line. He's not. No, but, that, but that. my point is that that is a relatively conservative play call. So that, I think, is Conservative, likely, yes, yes, but it's still a pass. Yeah, It's still a pass. I'm telling you, if he's out of his own 5, he's running the ball. I don't see how it's crazy to think that a team can't throw a pass into the flat when they're on their own five-yard line. I don't think he's doing that from his own five. I think he's running the ball on first down from his own five. I really do. I think if he's inside his own 10, they're running a first down run because they've got three timeouts to go. They're probably going to try a draw play, to be honest with you. We've seen that about five trillion times over the NFL's history. That's what people do when they're there. I don't think he's throwing a pass on that first down play. But again, we're talking about ridiculous situations where routine plays were not made and put the Giants in a spot where then these other issues wound up cropping up and burning them. That's really, really what it comes down to. I don't even know why we're arguing about layers of the onion here because well, the truth arguing. of the matter we're is a conversation. there, there are enough we're of issues that went wrong that caused them to be 0-3 now. That's the bottom line. Sure. 
Well, there's opportunities to close out the game, finish things off, and then it opens the door for either the opposition or it hurts the Giants. But I'm just looking at it that even if you eliminate all of those other negative plays prior, you're still in a position to at least get this game to overtime. That was where I was coming from. That's fair. Because you're putting the Falcons still in a tough spot. Yep. Okay, They're at their 20-yard line. If it's one thing to say Riley Dixon had a horrendous punt that gives them the ball at their own 40, and you want to really get on the kicker, that's fine. They're at their 20, okay? Touchbacks happen all the time, even on kickoffs. So teams are still able to force the team to punt, even if they have decent position based on the touchback. So that's what I'm getting at. And your defense did a respectable job up to that point. Yet, when it was crunch time, they failed to make the stop. And this is the thing that has reared its ugly head over the last two games. Doesn't matter what you do or how effective you play, even if it's in flashes here or there, You've got to be able to make the stops when the game is on the line. And the Giants have failed in that department, whether it be Washington, whether it be Atlanta. And it's a big reason why they're right now in a position where they are 0-3. We'll certainly get more into the game as we move forward here, but we also want to open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Let's get to the phones here. Dan is in Delaware, and he joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing all right, Dan. What do you got for us? Well, it's just overall, uh, it's just overall uh, frustration. You know, I, I don't want to get in it. I, I don't really even, everyone else, you guys already covered it. Most of the callers will cover it, like specifics of the game. Um, Paul, you mentioned luck, you know, bad luck with field goals and stuff. And all I'll say is, like, in a, in a vacuum, game by game, you, you know, you might be able to make that argument. But we're 15 and, what, 36 over our last 51 games, we won 15 of them. So it's more than luck. There, there's something broken with this team. There's something wrong with this team. I, I don't, I don't have answers. I mean, I have opinions on it and viewpoints. I'm not going to bring it up on here because I probably get hang up on to be to be honest with you. But I will say that you know, it, it overall, it, it I, I, I'm looking down the line here and. We spent a lot of money this year. We brought in Galladay, and we brought in Jackson and Rudolph. We extended Williams. And a lot of people felt coming off of last year, and I, I guess I'll allow myself to be included in this, that there was optimism. You know, we, we only won six games last year. That's not a great season. But given the expectations people had for last year, a lot of people viewed it as a successful season. They liked the way the team fought under Judge. And they came into this year thinking, okay, the team bought in. Now's the time to win. Now is the time to spend some money, get some talent, and win some games, even though the cap situation around the league, given the COVID and the drop and everything, might not have been right like a great time to spend that kind of money because everything's going to be tight. So, you know, we have to move money down the line, restructure contracts that were only a year old from the prior year to fit in a lot of these guys. you got to get creative with the new players and, like, how you're structuring their contracts so it pushes money into future years. And if you look at next year, it doesn't look like we're going to have money up against a cap. And I know you can make Space yeah, you can make that. adjustments, Dan, yeah. every single offseason. I, I, I mean, and, and I understand I, your point. I mean, first of all, we're only three games into the season. If I we're going to start thinking about the salary no, 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 cap no, ramifications no. seven months from now, I'm not, I think I'm that not, it's not, that's not completely what I'm doing. defeats I'm just, the purpose now. I mean, I get your point, but the bottom I'm line saying, is 
Most front offices make tweaks to the cap as they go. And I'm not, you also can't fix all your problems at free agency every single man, season, too. I'm not, I'm not making – I'm not my, – my, my, my point I'm trying to make isn't about the cap in the future. The point is, is that it was about we made those moves and we made those future year sacrifices because of this year. We thought that this year was going to be a successful season. And I know you say it's only three games in. And maybe you know maybe this division will will be just pure garbage again, and who knows what'll happen, you know if we could stay in it for a period of time. But like, you could rule out a wild card spot, you could rule out a seventh seed spot. I mean, the only chance we have of making the playoffs is winning this division, and that's hoping that the division is is poor. And that's my point: is we we made these moves on an assessment that we believe this team was ready to compete this year, and it feels like we're suffering through like what we did in 2016 in the future years but this year we're not even going to have the 2016 year we're not even going to have the 11 win playoff appearance year and you know well Dan, they made a number of those moves i mean putting the expectations of playoffs aside they made those moves because the offense averaged 17 and a half points per game last season i I understand why you know i mean that's the number one point the offense failed to score consistently so whether you feel good about the playoffs or not you have to get that offense to improve dramatically don't you you do but you also i think you also have to be honest with what you think this team could be. So it's either either A, we just didn't assess the capabilities right, and maybe we needed one more year of, of a solid build through the draft or whatever, I don't know, and, and maybe next year, if, but I don't know. But either way, whatever we're doing is not working. And i got to say a comment here, and you know, I know Paul's probably going to take a lot of exception with this, probably because of like, his personal feelings for, for the person, but during, during Eli Manning's ceremony, you know, the fans really gave it to – Tamara and Eli kind of calmed it down. It could have probably been a lot worse. And he made a comment like, you know, well, we're 0 2 and we were down at halftime, so I get it. And I hope he he has to understand. I hope that was just like a soundbite he gave because he has to understand, like, the real reason the fans were booing were not because we're 0 2 and down at halftime this year. This is years and years and years of building up with these people. And I bring this up because, you know, Michael Strahan is going in in like November and if you look at the schedule going forward I mean it, it, it could be a lot lot worse and I, I mean I'm hoping Mara would still show up to that and be on the stage with him and all that stuff but like he's got to prepare for this because it could be bad so my overall I'm just overall I just wanted to call as like uh, you know you guys could be my, my bartender or whatever this morning I didn't really want to even speak about the game <laughs> I got no drinks I for you wanted, man. I just wanted to be a sounding I just wanted to and you guys be like a sounding board. Dan, Dan bef- um, before, you know, you, before you go, though, let me let me ask you one thing. And I and I think that your call is very rational and you're, you're very calm about it. And, and I think that's great. I wish more people would take your approach. And, and quite honestly, I, I don't think anything you said was terribly unrealistic. However, I do recall earlier in your comments, you had said that you are on board with thinking that they should yeah. make an investment in I the 2021 season because you thought the team was close enough and that it was worth jamming up the future cap to do what you had to do this year. I'm pretty sure you said you were on board with yeah. that, right? Yeah, oh, I mean, I'm honest. I'm honest with myself. That right. I, I was one of those and people. And the only also. reason I say that is because I think anybody who's honest with themselves and turn back, turns back the clock and says, well, let's see, what did the front office think? What did they try to do? What was the goal? 
Did it make sense? Was it logical? The answer is yes, 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 yes. And so you, for those people who want to point to ownership or the front office and blame them, well, guess what? Look in the mirror because all yeah. through the spring and summer, everybody, myself you included, and it sounds like you included, yes. thought that the plan was really good. Yeah, but the, the difference is, so, Paul, you, I'm a, I'm a guy know? on his couch. I'm just a guy on his couch calling into a football show, right? I'm a fan. Yeah, but so, but Dan, every but year, Dan, but oh, you're a good, but you're a good fan, and you I have understand. you have a right to have an opinion, hey, and you have a right to 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 express it. My point is that there are so many fans like you who probably thought that the plan was good. And now, because the results weren't there and the players didn't make the plays they were supposed to make, now there are an awful lot of fans who are burning torches and screaming holy high hell and pointing fingers at the very front office that they agreed with for the last seven months. Right, but if you... And that's you, my problem. You, and it's not with you. If you ask a fan... I know, I, I get it. If you ask a fan, though... Every week, like, you know, we're going to play the Chiefs this year. And if you ask me now, are we going to beat the Chiefs? I'm going to be like, hell no, we're not going to beat the Chiefs. Or the Rams. Like, hell no, we're not going to beat the Rams. But, yeah, the but that was going to be a challenge regardless the week, of the results I know, of these first but three my, games. The point, the point I'm making is the week of the game leading into the game, the day of the game, I'm going to be looking for every reason why we can beat the Rams. Because this is what fans do. Sure. Fans are fans. They are not paid millions of dollars. They don't have an army of scouts and a fleet of, of people and every resource in the world available. They're fans. They think their team's going to win. You know, the Jaguars, they have fans. They're the worst team in football. The Jets. The Jets might be the worst team in football this year. They got fans thinking of re- reasons they're going to win games. The point is the people whose jobs it is to make these right calls. So just because I bought in and just because I convinced myself of something doesn't let the decision makers off the hook just because I thought something was good. Dan, that's so, not the point that I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make is those very fans, though, who believed that the plan was right are, in some cases, the very fans who were screaming to burn down the house. And you can't have it both ways. I have no well, problem with wrong, what you're saying. You you're not the wrong, GM, then, so you can't get blamed for it. But what, we, what I can blame a fan for is doing a two-face about-face when they say from the very beginning they're on board and now all of a sudden they're jumping off the wagon. That, that to me, that's not a good fan. A good fan understands what their opinion was, where the logic was, yes, and they fess I up agree. to it. And it sounds like you're fessing up to it. So well, I think I you're agree. a good fan. If you're, if you're, I agree with you to to where like if you're looking at it through the lens of hindsight, to if you're going to misrepresent your historical position on something to prop up your current argument and say, oh well, everybody knew this season when we right. weren't going that's anywhere. That's Then I then I, I agree. That's very and that's the only point I'm trying to make, Dan. But there I, are a lot of folks it, doing that. But it still doesn't let the decision makers off the hook. For things, and I don't know what the answer is to be honest with you. Because again, if Dory Jackson makes an interception, we win. If Leonard Williams doesn't go offside, we win. If you know, there's probably a handful well, of Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence. Every, yeah. Or, yeah. What did I say, yeah. Leonard? Yeah, you said Leonard. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I right. know. Yeah, of That's course. That's the so, weirdest well, part I, about this. We're talking thing. about I, just one yeah. play changing a, a th- an 0 and three to a but, two and one. One play in each game. But like, but like again, in a vacuum, we can do this every week. In a vacuum, we can break down every single thing, and there could be perfectly reasonable explanations. But when you take this over the span and span of years, 
there's just something larger, and I don't have the answers. I'm not. I don't. I'm not the qualified, you know, quote uh, Twitter GM or whatever. I don't know. All I know is that there's something. Something has to get corrected here, uh, systemically or, or organizationally, and I, I don't know what that is. But again, like I said, I'm just calling to. I'm just calling the vent to you guys. No, it's, it's a good call. Well, listen, I, I, I appreciate, appreciate the phone call. I appreciate listening to me. Yeah, and, and thanks so much, much for uh, waiting here Thank as you. we uh, right. move along here on Big Blue Kick Off Live. Do you want to add something, Paul? I, you know, Lance, I, I think that the the only thing to say here is that they will say no matter what your profession is or even if you're in school, if you keep making the same mistakes with the same people and you don't make any changes, well, why is it that you would expect things to be different? Well, the Giants have made a bunch of changes. Over the past half a dozen years, as things have, have gone south, they have gone through three coaches. They have gone through coordinators. They have gone through an overhaul of the roster to where there's only a handful of guys left from four years ago. So they haven't sat on their hands and said, okay, this isn't working. We're just going to keep doing the same thing with the same people and hope that it works out better. As they always tell you, hope is not a good plan. So what have the Giants done? They've tried to be logical, and they have made a bunch of changes consistently over the last several years to try to rectify things. And I I think to some degree, that's exactly the approach that that most people would want. You don't want the team to just keep putting the same players out there if they're not going to win, right? Sure. Well, I go back to what I said earlier. The offense averaged 17.5 points per game. You had to make changes. for people to start thinking that, well, they should have just said status quo, regardless of whether or not you have Super Bowl aspirations, every offseason, every team is always looking to improve, to add talent. So the goal was to add talent. doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl and make the playoffs, but at least to show strides in categories and issues that plagued them last season. Unfortunately, the results are not where they wanted it to be. You know, you added Kenny Galladay, you added Kyle Rudolph, but they're not scoring, you know, three more touchdowns a game. No. It's just not happening. So the execution's not there. That's no. the way that I see it over the first no, three games. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, Galladay uh, has, has dealt with some stuff. Slayton's dealt with some stuff. The offensive line has lost two starters now for the season because of injuries. I mean, you know, and obviously, we all told you this, by the way. Didn't I tell you this before the draft? Saquon Barkley's going to have rust in September. It's going to t- I, I've said it then. It's going to take him three to four games to get back to being what he's supposed to be. He's getting there, but he's still not there yet. That should not surprise anybody. Well, and I think the other thing is, at least on the defensive side of the ball, and we've been talking about this over the last few weeks, you can't assume that because a defense finished ranked in a specific spot that then you start the next season from that starting point and you just improve. It doesn't work like that. I mean, look at the Steelers' defense. The Steelers' defense is even struggling this season a bit. Part of it is because of injuries, and they were one of the best defenses last season. It's just the NFL, there's so much fluidity that you can't just come to the assumption you start where you finish the previous season. It just doesn't work like that. So you have the combination of the offense not taking a huge stride and then the defense taking a bit of a step back, especially in terms of its inability to get off the field and you know, be consistent throughout even the course of a game. You know, you saw them do a really good job against Atlanta in the first half. Falcons scored seven points. Second half, though, or at least at the end of the game, fourth quarter, Atlanta marches down the field, lengthy touchdown drive, and then they get the ball back after a punt, and then they march down into field goal range. So you're seeing breakdowns, once again, game on the line. 
And that's a problem, especially when you're playing a lot of close games. You're expecting at least one facet to come through and make the necessary play or make the yeah. necessary stop. And sure. It just hasn't been there. Let's head back to the, the phone Chiefs lines. how the Chiefs fans yeah. feel today. Right now, they're one and two, right? Yeah, That's a team absolutely. that was in the Super Bowl last year. How do you think they feel? And they've lost two games, you know, pretty close, too. Of course, yeah. And it's the same thing. They had a turnover. Clyde edwards Lair fumbled the ball. And then Justin mm-hmm. Herbert had a very effective game. Now, in no way am I comparing the Chiefs to the Giants. But no, there's no, no, a number no, but... of teams that, you're right, they lose some of those close games because of the issues that are plaguing the Giants. I think the biggest difference is Kansas City has had a track record of digging itself out of those early holes. Yeah. Even I if just, things I don't just go also well. continue to wonder about the, the poor execution around the NFL because we're still in September. That, that, that line will not work much longer, but for the time being, I'm seeing, I see probably four or five teams right now that are one and two and saying to themselves, holy crap, this is not where we were supposed to be. And it's because they have not performed well, and I still think that malaise of September continues to hang over a number of clubs. Yeah, I think that's true for some teams. I don't think that's necessarily true for the entire league, though. No, not and everybody. I wouldn't necessarily use that a lot as an umbrella label because there are teams that hey they come right out of the gates they don't miss a beat they barely play in the preseason and no issues and then there's other teams that sometimes have some issues new schemes new systems new personnel so I mean to me that really fluctuates across the league I don't know if there's necessarily a generic trend let's head back to the phone lines Brandon is in New Jersey joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live what's happening Brandon what's going on Lance what's going on Paul hi hey uh so the sky is not all the way falling, but it sure feels like it a little bit. And uh, so first I want to start with the props. On defense, I saw people reading film or watching film and making some adjustments on the field. I'm on, I'm on the field with everybody, so you know. I'm at 343, 17-1-2. We in the building all season long, all right? So I saw the defense making good adjustments, seeing film. I saw Logan Ryan undercut a few things that turned into a Matt Ryan sack. That's a coverage sack. Anybody was watching that game, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Logan Ryan, he came out of his position, jumped under that. Matt Ryan had nowhere to go, got hit. So I saw defense reading film, played a whole lot better this week. I No complaints there. I have three issues on offense. I want to get through them real quick. I have an issue with our play calling and situational play calling. It's not the whole game, you guys. It's, it's in situations. It doesn't make any sense. And then I have an issue with our quarterback making pre-snap reads and post-snap reads. And then the other thing seems to be a philosophy. So first thing, offensive situation, play calling. Uh, we're, in the, we're in the red zone twice early in that game, all right? Got into the red zone twice. How many times the ball travel into the end zone? In order to score points, that ball got to get in the end zone, you guys. If we throw it to the seven-yard line, we're never going to get points that way. I don't care who you are. We're at 20 yards. We were at, what, at the 10-yard line at one point before we got, like, a penalty or sack or something. Well, they were at the 8-yard line, and then Daniel Jones got sacked. Yeah, something happened, and we ended up going backwards. But before that, we were were in the red zone. Let's start seeing the ball, even if it's incomplete. Get the ball in the end zone. The the goal is to get the ball over there into the blue. If you throw it in the green, it's no points. I guess that's also play calling slash philosophy. Too conservative, and that's, I think, where Giants fans are concerned with the conservativeness, because the goal is to get in the end zone, and we won't even put the ball into the end zone. So that's already an issue. Brandon, the other I, thing I is will our... just add one thing to what you just said, and, I, and, and I'm being half funny but kind of not half funny because the guys know I've talked about this before. If the red zone is such an issue, 
why not take a shot to the goal line when you're at the 25? Right. Why even, why even wait sense. until you get into the red zone? If you get to the 30 or the 25-yard line, throw a pass into the end zone there. Don't wait till you get inside the 20 where you know you've had difficulties trying to punch it in. Why, why not just take agree. a couple of deeper shots? Once you get to the 30, start thinking about throwing the ball to the goal line. Absolutely agree, Paul. You know in their packages, they have a third and 19 they package. You know they, they have one. So if They've we're on the 19-yard line, uh, use the package. I don't – I, I – It's a curiosity that I have, and I'm not, like, going to raise holy high hell about it, but it's a curiosity. It just seems to me yeah. – now, maybe there's a really good answer why they don't. But it just well, seems think, to me – I, I, I wouldn't mind taking a couple point. of longer shots. Well, they did against my Washington point, when I Jones is slating for the touchdown. That yeah, was outside and, of the red zone. And, and look what happened. Yeah. Okay, so my next point, I think this is why – so now we're talking about pre- and post-snap reads from the quarterback. I no longer am against Dave Gettleman for drafting Daniel Jones. I actually see all the physical attributes, which if you're at a combine, that's what you're looking at. It's this play between the ears that's an issue. I don't know if it's a maturity issue, something could be taught. Maybe they're telling him to key certain guys. But, like, pre- and post-snap reads. I I have two plays in particular. One was completed, and most fans probably wouldn't know. But if you were in the building, it was egregious. But it was a completed first down. But he had, uh, I think he had two backs behind him. One was number 15, the new guy they just brought up, right? Johnson. And, yeah, the play kind of breaks down a little bit. Saquon, he leaks out the backfield to the left. And then this other guy, he kind of ends up in like this like hitch route at the sticks. Daniel Jones throws it to the number 15. He hits him. It's a first down. Everything's beautiful. The problem is Saquon Barkley is wide open I did all see the play. day long. No, no, I and did I like, did see the play, yeah. and I did think that was the potential the for a bigger screaming, Paul. It was a potential <laughs> for a bigger play. I saw it. I saw it, Brandon. But, but you know what? Yeah. Think about this. He threw the ball 35 times. Is every single one of those 35 decisions going to be perfect? No. No. And not even Tom Brady's going to make every single decision the right way. All right. Last week, Paul, right, against Washington, the one thing everybody said is why he put so much air under that ball. Did he not see how wide open? And it's like maybe he didn't. But now you're starting to see a pattern. That's all I'm saying. It's like there's a pattern. It's not just that play. There was a play earlier in that drive, I think. It was like it ended up being three levels where you had Saquon leaking out, you had number 19 right behind him, that's Galladay, I think, and you had right. somebody in like a, a high post coming out in towards the end zone. He threw it to Saquon, which is fine, but there's two dudes on Saquon's back. He was hit immediately right behind Saquon, and he's in his line of sight. So it's like, dude, just look a little bit because 19 is wide open, dude. He's just, he's just there. And it's like you, you took – and so that's why I'm like, I don't know if he was told to key – Saquon, all right, look, the play's kind of breaking down. You, your time clock's going off, but you got to look, man. The well, other see, thing that, is your and what you just reads. said a second ago, go we back. don't know, and there are some idiosyncrasies right. that we can't possibly know. And even Kurt Warner, when he did his video breakdown of the Washington game, and he did a really good one on YouTube. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it. He broke down 10 of Daniel Jones's passes, and he thought about uh, uh, different things in the scheme, Different things that Jones did, different things the receivers did, different things the offensive line did. It was a really good schematic breakdown. And then he also put that little asterisk when he said, all right, the other thing, though, that you don't know when you're doing this is how much is that pressure coming in? How much are you feeling the pressure? What is he seeing when he's actually on the field? You can't you can't put your eyes and, and, and eye, eyes and head in the quarterback's eyes and head when looking at YouTube. You know, it's yeah, it's different true. when you're on the field. 
Yeah, because you're not feeling that tension. It's an issue between the ears there. And I have one more example of this, too. And this is a pre-snap read. So we're in, we're, we're in the stadium. I'm not on the field, but we can see. We can see what cover two looks like. It's either two, it's either you know two man or right. cover two. We got two safety highs. Sure. We're on the three yard line, our own three yard line. And I think we start off with a play action pass, which is like some play calling issues, situational play calls, whatever. I think you get more space before you start that, but fine. And then, but uh, after the pass interference, which was egregious because all he needed to do was turn around the sticks. That guy was lined up fifteen Ward. yards past the yep. sticks. Yeah, that was egregious. So after that pass interference penalty, the very next play. Uh, they were in the two-man. They, they were impressed out on the outside. There was a three-receiver three set technically because, you know, tight end was off the ball, but he was, he was lined up like a, like a slot almost. So, and it was Ingram, so who knows how they feel about him right now. But, so they're impressed on the outside. The safety was over top of your slot, all right, but he was off the ball a lot. And then there was just Ingram all day long before the ball snapped. So I... Daniel Jones, we have to do a better job at just looking at the pre-snap because when that play finally breaks down, I think he ends up throwing it to the outside guy, which was in press. It was a quick slant. It was incomplete, and we punted the ball. Yeah, he went to the left numbers for Tony. It was a quick slant. Yeah, he went to the left left numbers mm -hmm. for Tony, and two defenders came on it and knocked the ball away. And he started out in press. And it's like, dude, this is a pre-snap. He was in press to begin, and you know he's on a quick route. That means the defender's on his back the whole time. Why? Meanwhile... Evan Ingram right here, he over there playing cards, you know what I mean? He on the phone with his mom. He wide open. Just throw him the ball. We need six yards. Just throw it. He right. Just uh, read these. And then it wasn't like Ingram was only there to block. I think he was on a check release because he looked like he waited for somebody and he just turned around and was looking at Daniel Jones like, ball, can I have it? Can I have it? Daniel Jones fitting it into somewhere it's covered already. It's covered. It was covered at the beginning of the play. It was covered the whole play, and we still threw it to him. And it's like, uh, that's an issue. And then um, the last thing I had is, is more about play calling and, like, the philosophy about play calling. So early in the first quarter, they ran with Barkley. And not in this part I don't really remember, but they ran with Barkley. He got about six yards. They came right back in the next play. He lost three. All right? Fast forward, and this is like offensive adjustments. We have to start making some adjustments. Later on in the game, we're in the fourth quarter now. We run the ball with Saquon Barkley for six yards. Second and four, you're above the sticks now. If you're in third and four, it's still a manageable situation, correct? So let's take some shots right here. Now we play action. Everybody in the building knows a run's coming, Jason Garrett. Everybody in the building knows a run's coming. Play, this is the time to play action. This is the time to throw a screen when they're on it. They're coming. They're trying to stop that run. Throw this play action. Instead, we repeat something that did not work in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, and trying to figure out why we keep going three and out. Well, I, I'm, I'm only going to tell you this. I, I, you you this can really have your philosophy, but your facts in this one are wrong because it was first down from the 25, Barkley for four, and then second and six, Barkley for six on a draw play. And then first down play goes to Caden Smith for nine yards. So I don't, I mean, I understand that you're thinking no, they maybe want to open up first, a bit. I said on the first one, I don't really but remember it, where in the yeah, game Yeah, but if was, you're but talking about that fourth quarter series, the they moved the ball on three consecutive plays, and I don't have a problem with those three calls. All right, Brandon, listen, we're going to let you go on that note. Appreciate the phone call. we got to move things along here, and we also got to get some reads in. Don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football 2021 season now underway. 
There is still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants ticket representative now or become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. You can also take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants suite representative now calling 888-NYG-1925. And also, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated, visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. We're going to try to get in a few more calls. Listen, one point each person. If you have an entire dissertation, we're never going to allow you to get through with that. So let's try to keep it to the point so we can keep things flowing. Bruce is in Albany. Bruce, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. You know how long I've been waiting and now you're going to tell me be quick? <laughs> well, we want to move things along, Bruce. We're going to allow you to talk, well, but you, you know, we want to be concise and get to the point. That's All right. right. Let's go then. First of all, Saquon Barkley was not ready to start the season. He shouldn't have been our lead running back. Our best running back in preseason by far was Corey Clement. The guy was clearly head and shoulders above everybody else. And I'm not going to throw any players under the bus because this is the whole organization. I know you guys don't want to criticize management, but they've had – Ten years of lousy draft picks. Other than, other than Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas, they've had a lot of lousy picks. And some of these guys you're criticizing, like Slayton, I don't care if that ball is six inches too far or six feet too far. He's not spearing that football with his fingernail and catching it because that ball was maybe a little bit overthrown because there was a, a defensive lineman right in Daniel Jones' face. I'm surprised he even got that pass off. And people are going to criticize him for not having touch on the ball. He's like he didn't get killed. And the other thing is uh, some of these guys, like, like Dexter Lawrence, I watched that play in slow motion on the Internet. He did not jump off sides. Lawrence Tynes tweeted out from somebody in the Giants organization in the coach's tape. They watched. He said the same thing. The problem was, yeah, he was the first guy off the ball because everybody else was so late. He timed that perfectly, and he's catching all this crap about jumping off sides. He did not jump off sides. But it's right? the optics so, at the end of the day. See, even Thomas Yeah, because he got a that. better jump than everybody else. They flagged him for well, off Well, it's all based on what the official is seeing during the flow of the game, though, Bruce. You're not right, taking that into consideration. The official is not watching not that in slow motion, though. You are. Yeah, well, it's not my job to speak up for him. You guys should be saying something because I think every well, every one of you knows that he wasn't offside. Well, and, I think it was a clo- I think it was a very that? close play. I, I don't think it's exactly one hundred percent where it doesn't justify the call. It's not. He, he did not jump. Well, either he did or he didn't. He. Was- it looks like we lost Bruce because uh, not hearing him anymore. So let's move on here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. James is in Connecticut. James, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Hey, um, I'm a frustrated fan. Um, I'm hoping it's not too late for us to turn it around. I didn't watch the game um, yesterday, but I watched it um, live broadcast with Howard Cross and it was somebody else. So um, I just want to talk about the play style of Saquon Barkley, man. It's a little frustrating. Howard Cross, he was – Time and time again throughout that game, he was saying he's getting irritated because Saquon, he's either bouncing it outside, not following his blocks. I mean, I get it. He's coming off a serious knee injury, but, man, like, 
I feel like he's he's not. I don't know. He just need to take it up the middle, man, and stop playing around. Get the three yards. You know, he's making it hard on the offensive line. I know the offensive line don't give him much to work with, but he got to take it, you know, and stop dancing around the backfield because it, it hurts the team. And, yeah, and that's all I really got. Daniel Jones, he's the real deal. He's a true competitor. I like him. All right, James. Appreciate the phone call. As far as, you know, Saquon Barkley dancing, I know Paul Carl brought this up also on the postgame show the other day. And, you know, we've even seen that in previous years before he got hurt. You know, sometimes being a little too patient and giving the defense an opportunity to recover. And I think that's the combination of some of the things that he's had to deal with in the past and then also him mentally getting to the point where he feels 100%. You know, I could simplify this a little bit better for you, Lance, honestly. Uh, and I'm not I'm not talking out of school here because I've had conversations with Joe Morris about this very same thing and about how the running back has to trust his offensive lineman. Well, I'm going to take it a step further. How the Giants do on first and goal from the one when Barkley was in the eye and he had his fullback, Eli Penny, in front of him? Well, Penny blocked between the, the A-gap. I think it was between the left guard and the center. I think it was the A-gap there. He went ahead, and what did Barkley do? He read... Eli Penny's block. Why? Because he knows Eli Penny. He's familiar with Eli Penny. He played for a whole season behind Eli Penny two years ago. He knows that when Eli Penny attacks a specific spot, that Eli Penny is going to either make the block or he's going to turn a guy a certain way that's going to give him a path where he can go. So what happened? First down, Penny makes his block. Barkley follows him, leaps, boom right over Penny into the end zone for a touchdown. I would say to you that one of the tweaks that I would make is I would run more out of the eye formation and get Eli Penny in there at fullback more often so that Barkley would have the comfort of knowing where he can run behind Eli Penny because he knows where and how to read the blocks that Penny is going to throw. He does not still have enough trust and a read on the blocks from this current offensive line. And and I'm simply telling you, that comes from the experience that I got from watching Joe Morris and Maurice Carthon years ago back in the 80s. I talked with Joe about this yesterday at the stadium, and it still applies today. And Eli Penny and, and, and uh, Saquon Barkley proved it yesterday on the goal line which is, by the way, an area where the Giants have usually had trouble punching it in. But what did they do? They went to Penny and Barkley because they knew that combination would get it through. Let's head back to the phone lines. Michael is in Albany here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Michael? Yes, greetings, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I know we're all doing our Monday morning quarterback job here, and we're all pretty sad based on the uh, outcome of the game. Uh, I, I guess... Like the first dollar you had on, I, I really don't know what the answer is. It's not like uh, ownership has sit and ar- sat around and done nothing. They brought in new management, uh, new, new coaching, new players, uh, yet we still seem to be caught up in this morass of losing. And whether you blame it on, uh, you know, just single plays in, in single games, it has cascaded quite a bit for a number of years, and 
given the recent injuries from yesterday's game on top of the prior injuries uh, to our offensive line earlier this year, and you look ahead at the schedule that we have for the next five or six games, things aren't going to get any easier. And you just wonder what the morale is going to be with the team and how how the coaches are going to try to salvage this year. It's early in the year. You just wonder how we're going to get something positive generated after all the negativity so far. Well, there's no doubt about it. The schedule is extremely challenging, especially when you know you look at the caliber of the quarterbacks and the offenses that this defense is going to have to deal with. They got to still go out and play the games, Michael, you know, regardless of whether or not they're down because they lost games. I think you look at how the team started last season and the team did not check out. They responded to Joe Judge. So I really don't think that's an overly big concern. I think it's more of an execution concern right now. I think that's what's plaguing this team. It's simply execution. I think when a team loses, I think we try to play the mental game a lot where we're searching for a reason about, you know, guys are distracted and this and that. If you've watched these first three games, there are execution issues that are obvious on screen as to why this team is not winning and closing out games. It's got nothing to do with what's going on behind closed doors or this person is distracted. That's why I really don't think that's a big issue. Okay. I just wonder what the, the, the human element of, these, uh, of the athletes themselves and how the, the continued series of losses, even though they're working really hard and, and they have a, what I think is a really good coach and a good staff, uh, I just wonder how that frustration level plays on their psyche. Well, I mean, listen, Saquon Barkley's been around for, unfortunately, a number of losing seasons. Sterling Shepard's been around for a number of losing seasons. Evan Ingram, I mean, we can name, Michael, to your point, a number of guys that have been there who already are Mm -hmm. built up in frustration, right? Because they've seen this and they've done that. And I wouldn't say that that's the reason that's impacting their performance. Okay. So I just wonder what, what you think they could do to turn it around. What's, what's going to be the met? Is it going to take, you know, a a fight in a game, a a coach, you know, calling out somebody, Uh, what's it going to take that, that lights that fire and, and gets these guys going. Well, we'll let you go on that note. Appreciate the phone call. Paul, I don't really think it's this magic switch that the Giants are looking for. You know, you don't need a rah-rah guy, too. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that philosophy. They don't need to, you know, have a movie scene where some guy, you know, rips off his shirt in the locker room to all of a sudden get everybody animated. You know, once again, it's simple things as, you know, avoiding false starts, which has been, you know, killing this team. I was breaking down the penalties, and this is why I go back to execution. I don't understand how a rah-rah speech is going to make you execute or avoid false starts. When you look at the 10 penalties that they've had on offense, seven have been against the offensive line, Paul. Five have been false starts. Then they've had seven on defense. They've had three on special teams. They've had two unnecessary roughness penalties. Now, you could say one of them was borderline. That's fine. They're still getting called for it. You're still putting yourself in a position for the official to throw a flag. And then, on top of that, you've been flagged twice, Paul, for being too far down the field. And that was against two offensive linemen. You had Bredesen, and then you had, excuse me, you had Billy Price for one, and then you had Will Hernandez. That's happened in In each of the first two games, correct. 
So, you know, that's, once again, not a mental rah-rah speech. That's why are we losing track of fundamentals during the course of a game? That's a concentration issue. That's aware of being aware of where you are on the field. That's what that comes down to. Well, I go back to dropping routine passes and dropping routine interceptions. Just grab the ball. <laughs> grab the ball. That's it. If they grab the ball the last two weeks, they're 2-1. and one. It's really not that hard. Let's head back to the phone lines. Haas is in New Jersey. What's happening, Haas? Hey, fellas. Uh, I haven't talked to you in a while. Still listening. Uh, I'm really just disgusted. Uh, I'm disgusted with the team. Uh, I- I'm disgusted with Joe Judge talking about he's a stickler for uh, uh, perfection and discipline. And you got coaches and everybody running laps and doing push-ups and sit-ups, but it's not translating to the field. Okay, at they, at any work and every work that they need to do needs to translate to the field, and it's not translating to the field. And that's coming from the coach on down to the players, and that's a problem. Jason Garrett needs to find a new playbook, or he needs to steal somebody's playbook, or or whatever you, because it it it's not working. It's too predictable. There's no motion. There, there, there's nothing. We was watching uh, uh, San Fran and how they were moving. He has no motion to help Daniel Jones. You sit in the same play, and then you realize that, oh, I can't throw it to this man. Oh, I don't know what defense he's in. We have to do better. We have to. He keeps talking about we need to do better. You need to show us better. We pay our money. We watch the game, and, and we're tired of this. This is, this is year after year after year, fellas, and it, it, it's ridiculous. It really is. It's ridiculous, and I'm sorry, but it's just painful to watch. We need to – it needs to be better some way, somehow, shape, form, or fashion. It just does. And I'll just take your comments off the air. Thank you for my venting. All right, I appreciate the phone call. I don't think anybody's disagreeing with the fact that it gets frustrating watching similar issues come to the forefront game in and game out. And that's what I think the team is also trying to deal with right now, Paul. You know, it's deja vu all over again, essentially, in terms of how the last two games have ended. And it's also deja vu all over again in terms of penalties just absolutely plaguing this team. The mental lapses that are occurring are shooting themselves in the foot and preventing them from finishing drives. Because, you know, this team right now, Paul, they're not good enough. If you lose 10 yards because of a holding call and then you give up a sack, they're not good enough in terms of what they've been able to showcase to convert on a third and 19 or a third and no, 22. No, they're not. The track record's just not there. They are in the quicksand of mediocrity. That is where most of the NFL is. And the problem when you do not make the routine plays, you put yourself behind the eight ball because when you do make a critical mistake or you do make a dumb penalty or when you do get flagged for a questionable call, well, guess what? Because you didn't make the routine play two minutes ago, that mistake now is going to bleed you to death. And it's really very simple. I mean, I, I, I simply would like to ask any caller out there to call up on the next show and tell me how the coaching staff, the scheme, or the front office is responsible for Slayton dropping the clinching touchdown pass against Washington or Adore Jackson dropping what should have been the nail-in-the-coffin interception against the Falcons. I'd love to know how somebody can equate the scheme, 
the discipline, the running laps, or the front office to those moves? I, I would love to hear it because scientifically, there's just no way you could possibly attach those things. Well, and we had similar conversations last year, if you remember, in the Philadelphia Eagles game, the first one in Philly, the third when down Evan conversion Ingram with the Evan ball Ingram. With a couple minutes to go. Yeah. And people were also pointing to the scheme, the scheme, the scheme. Well, what about the lack of execution by the players? There you go. And that's really what it comes down to here. The players have failed to make enough of routine plays that have put themselves in a position where the game could be put into jeopardy if they then don't make a necessary play to get them out of the bad situation that they put themselves in in the first place. It's it's really it's just another layer of the onion. That's all it is. And all it takes is really one negative play because I know we were talking earlier with a few of the callers about the two red zone possessions, but they were really killer. I mean, you got first and goal at the eight, Paul, and then on second and goal at the eight after an incomplete pass, Jones is sacked by Grady Jarrett. He loses 11. It's now third and goal from the 19. So now Jones just scrambles to get 12 yards back just to make it an easier field goal, and you settle for three points. But you had first and goal at the eight. Mm-hmm. You ended up with third and goal at the 19, okay? Right. You just can't afford to have that happen, especially when your offense only manufactures 14 points. And then the other drive where they were knocking on the door, you had first and 10 at the 17, okay? So you're in the red zone, and then on the very first play, Jones mishandles the snap. You lose 11 yards on that because you now got to back up and recover it. So now it's second and 21 at the 28. And to make matters worse, Paul, you get a full start on Eli Penny. It becomes third and 22 from the 29. So you were at first and 10 from the 17, third and 22 from the 29. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately you settle for a field goal. So I look at a lot of similarities in those two drives. One negative play. One was a penalty. The other one, excuse me, one was a sack. The other one was a mishandled snap. And that's it. I mean, you kissed four points goodbye right there. Right, exactly. And so what happens if you don't execute the routine plays, then the kinds of mistakes that you're talking about are now going to be amplified and put you in 25 feet of water without any oxygen. And that's what's happened to the Giants. John Madden once said winning is the best deodorant. Well, if the Giants had just made the routine plays, they would be 2-1, and one. they would have won these last two games, and some of the mistakes that you're talking about now, they probably would have been able to overcome because they would have had a more comfortable lead going down into the final seconds, and it wouldn't have mattered. The yeah. other team wouldn't have been within kicking a field goal to beat them. Anyway, it is yeah. what it is. No, they let them hang around, and Atlanta took full advantage of that. I think that's the best way to sum things up. That's going to wrap up Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody tuning in. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants platforms everywhere at Giants.com slash podcast. So we'll be back up and running again tomorrow, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, as Joe Judge will be speaking to the media later today. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and we'll speak to you on Tuesday. Have a good one.